0: A welcome back everybody to the big players only podcast a partner of the listen Frederick podcast Network and now sponsored by four craft cocktails we got a full room tonight myself Ben Josh Tyler Tully Colin and Kenny one we're going to kick it off talking about the LIV Golf Tour, the Greg Norman faced and Saudi backed golf tour, wrapping up its first event this past weekend. And there's an elephant in the room. We got to clear the air, got a lot of different opinions on whether we think this thing can even be successful, if anyone enjoyed the coverage, what we enjoyed from the coverage, and if the PGA Tour has a real threat on its hands. Then we'll look at other events that happened this past weekend, including the RBC Canadian Open. Our boy, pod favorite, fan favorite, Rory McElroy takes home his 21st, that's right, 21 PGA Tour titles. Uh, He outlasts guys like Justin Thomas and Tony Finau. An incredible Sunday, Uh, lots to cover there, and a great event as the the national championship up in Canada. We also had the Curtis Cup up at Marion Country Club, just outside of Philly, Dub and myself Ben. We get up a little bit hungover on Sunday. We said, screw it, we're going. Two-and-a-half-hour drive, free admission, walking down the fairways hand-in-hand with some of the best amateur girl golfers in the world, Great Britain and Ireland versus the U.S., unbelievable stories the course was immaculate we got a lot more to talk about there then we're going to turn things up a gear because it's major week we got the men's u.s open this week up in brookline massachusetts at the country club the famous site of the 1913 win from francis at the u.s open the first and only and probably ever amateur to win a major The course looks crazy, it looks difficult, the field is stacked, we got a lot of people playing that we thought we might not see because of all this live controversy, so we got a lot to unpack, so thanks for being here, and let's have a great episode. Four craft cocktails, the best tasting and easiest drinking transfusion on the market. Whether you're on the course, at a tailgate, or enjoying a Friday night with your friends, you'll find the pre-mixed 7% 4-Craft Transfusion, just what you're looking for to mix things up. With a variety of other products, including a Bloody Mary, Ranch Water, and a coming this summer John Daly, it's the go-to beverage for the big players. A family-owned, all-natural, gluten-free drinking option that has the guys playing their best and feeling even better. You can find all their retail locations at forecraftcocktails.com. That's F-O-R-E, craftcocktails.com. And make sure to mention to your local beer shop and golf course that we need these things everywhere. All right, the LIV Golf Tour wraps up its first event this week at Centurion in London, a 48-player field. Some pre-drafted teams, but they had a draft for the other teams. Uh, uh, Charles Schwartzel takes on the title, I think, at 7-under. He takes home almost $5 million with his first-place prize and his team's prize. Uh, we've had a lot of dust stir up in the days after this tournament. Uh, luckily, some of these players that had went to live are still going to be able to compete in the Men's U.S. Open this week. But there's a lot to talk about. We had a, f- a presser with Phil Mickelson today where he was right, looked very defensive, didn't really want to answer questions. Um, The topic is just, it's the the most important topic in golf right now. So I'm going to kick around to the guys. I guess we need to answer some questions. Did we like the coverage and do we think this thing can be successful?
1: Overall, you know, I'm going to start with, admittedly, I've been one of the more optimistic individuals about this throughout the whole process. No way. way. Yeah, I mean, I think there is, I still do believe after all this that there is something good. Regarding the concept of it, not so you're putting, on the putting all the as side pro live. No, right. putting all the Saudi crap aside of what they are, just in terms of what the format of the tournament and or the whatever you want to call the league, I guess, is does have some good things to it. Like the whole team thing is interesting; it is fun to watch. The draft could be cool if you know it wasn't you know all pre draft. We agree with that
2: generally, right. Like, right?
1: But maybe not. Yeah, in general, we you know.
0: Like, there are concepts. I agree. Yeah. The the shotgun start, the 48 players, all of that stuff is good. But,
1: I mean, the whole, like I said, the pre drafted teams, like that kind of ruined it. Like, the team that won was entirely pre drafted beforehand. Like, they were arguably like four of the best players that were even in the field, which kind of took away from any remote competitive.
0: Yeah. Louis Oustes and Charles Schwartzel, and Brendan Grace, who are three pretty much perennial top 100 players. Already pre-drafted and had a team with another fellow countryman, but right they had a draft and who was Pretty the case. first pick? Burn Weisberger, like so because yeah. all the other guys because I think the Majestics or the All English team were also pre-drafted. So the first pick of the draft was a guy that's not even top fifty in the world. It felt it didn't feel yeah. right. So so
3: with the draft, can the I mess. ask a question here? Are they doing this every event?
1: Yes, I believe they are. So, I so they're, mean... They're not going to do that
3: again. It's, okay. it's exciting. Well, they're not doing that again, right? <laughs> really? It's exciting I mean, I at know. first, like the novelty of it, but that's just going to wear off. And every tournament, it's kind of going to be the same old thing, and it's it's going to lose a lot of its luster versus having season-long teams where you can kind of start rooting for a team, which is kind of the one of the big pros of having that format. And so with it changing every week, maybe they'll, you know... Wise up and change the logos a little bit and some names.
0: <laughs> also, but. wasn't televised, right? Because I think the draft could be like a semi-entertaining thing to watch, right? Because like first pick of the draft, Burn Wiesberger, and then they start like you know spouting off some impressive things about Burn. Because if you don't know Burn, he's actually a really good golfer, right? But they didn't do that. It was like I watched some of the after clips, and it's like Burn and He walks up to the stage and like dabs up Greg Norman. <laughs> and then he walks over to his team's table. It was just it didn't feel weird. It felt like the, weird. It's like
2: the NBA All Star game. They they televised that draft, like LeBron and yeah. Durant are like on first take or whatever, and they like pick their
3: guys. Right, they should do that like at least that but it's like they're trying to have this draft be this exclusive vip only event and so they're not broadcasting it so people pay thousands of dollars to go watch it in person
1: yeah and i think the draft is also where like a lot of their problems even started because i think it was graham mcdowell came out and said like yeah after my first pick i I really didn't know who who was even available to me to pick anymore like he didn't even recognize the names himself which i think stems to the larger issue of like the quality that we saw like i think ben you compared it to like watching the match 6.0 where they're just you know hitting right. people hit balls into the crowd all that kind of stuff we got to talk about that guy that got hit right it yeah. <laughs> was so,
4: He's so funny slop of He's all man. time Rolling over. there's money in that man, they know so they well try to get it that yeah. way yeah. someone yeah. had yeah. tweeted
0: that he got like a 10 million dollar <laughs> like settlement and he gets to go to every live event for free and everyone's like i can't wait to go out to my first live event and get hit by a ball <laughs> i think to your point about the draft right like you're trying to say dubs like these teams, some of them were pre-drafted. And then, right, the names of the teams are a little out there, but I can kind of get behind it, right? It's like you got to be a little different there. But then every week the teams are going to be different. The captains aren't going to be the same. So, like, where's the apples-to-apples comparison from week to week? It's not there.
1: Do we know if the captains aren't going to be the same? or those people that, like, signed something, like, bigger? I thought they were going to be this.
0: So I the captains. i
5: saying they're just going to draft new teams.
3: So you're telling me Bryson's not going to be a captain going forward?
1: He's going to be pre drafted by DJ, probably? Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's the biggest thing. I think that's the reason why they didn't commit to season long teams, is because they knew they wanted people like Bryson and Reed and other yeah. people to come be in and join. Evolving field. So yeah, are you excited I mean, to see
1: uh, your favorite golfer
3: dub? Speaking of Bryson, joining? <clears> him? <throat> yeah, I'd like to go on the record <laughs> officially and denounce my <laughs> favoritism of Bryson. Kick him yeah, off you're, the tour, dub. You're a P. Reed guy now? Not quite. But, yeah, new favorite golfer now after Bryson taking the money and just chasing the uh, the stardom in the Live Golf League.
1: I do think it's kind of funny. Like it, Everyone they have at this point is almost like they were already kind of playing a villain role on the PGA Tour, and now they're just really embracing that by just going to the, this league. Yeah, it, I, I think the
3: Bryson thing is a big loss for the PGA Tour. I mean, he you know is a, a movie production company out there on the course. He puts butts in seats. I mean, he does all kinds <laughs> of things which is a big reason why I liked him just cuz he you know was so different and and doing a lot to make it more popular. So
1: you like things that are different. Yeah. So you love the live tour.
0: I like some concepts of it. Like you know I think the one comment that they were consistently making on the coverage like obviously some of it creeps me out but they're like Look at how happy these guys are. And they're like, look at how happy they are. And I'm yeah, like, four million all right, We that. get but, it. Yeah. Like, you think they look happy?
1: In their defense, on that one, the PGA Tour coverage was doing the same stuff. Like, they were all about, yeah. like, oh, you only get this here. These guys love what they're doing. These are the best in the world. All that kind of stuff. So you're seeing that kind of like sleazy salesman side on both things. Would
2: you say Ben? Like uh, every like five minutes, the Live Golf guys were like, this is the first time in history that. Yeah, it did ever... feel a
0: little cheesy at times. And, and like I know there's like, it. I'm I'm like willing to look past some of these growing pains. Right. Like the teams not being well orchestrated and some of the commentary not being that great. Tell us how you really feel. Well, I yeah, I think we can get into it. Like, I mean, I think that my my biggest flaw, I think, like we're talking about, um, is it just feels disingenuous. Like, I just I know that none of these guys are doing this except for the money, and they're all coming out saying that. They think it's going to grow the game and it gives them more uh, schedule flexibility when I think it's just nine events this year, but it'll probably be more next year. And they're pretty much going to have to play every single week. So it's like when Phil comes out and says he gets more flexibility on Live when he was already playing somewhat of a limited and like Tiger does and he picks the tournaments he plays in because he has this legacy. I don't really think Phil's getting any more flexibility on Live than he had on the PGA Tour.
3: Well, I think these guys are going to start turning into kind of corporate drones where they're given a script of talking points every week. They're going to be forced to go to all these different events and attend the draft and, you know, play with the Saudi princes every week. And it's, it's going to be a much bigger commitment than they probably were expecting, taking these massive payouts to just go over there and ride around on their boat and then play three rounds of golf and then, you know.
1: I mean, other with the threat of like, death or something, like, I imagine there can't be anything in their contract that they aren't Jeez. aware of, right? Like, I'm just saying, if we're going to talk the whole issues with Saudi, like, that's but, one but part I think But I think
0: to your point is that I think, they're, I think they're signed into And none of us know this, so it's purely speculation. But I do feel like they're signed into some pretty serious contracts. So I the agree, amount of but money I think they're, they're, getting,
1: were, they're at least aware, like, oh, we're going to jump to 16 events next year. They would have all that knowledge if they are actually in they have to go do these things
2: someone's got to leak a contract that's what we need next we, we need do to, need that we need it's
0: like a trump to... tax return like yeah. we all need it <laughs> we need yeah. to
2: see what they agreed to
0: so i personally feel like my my, my thoughts on live are right that i feel like it's disingenuous i don't feel like it's really i, I think that there are pros to what they're doing um but I don't really feel like I need to even make comments. Like we talk about, it's like beating a dead horse. I think a lot of people have these similar feelings. But I, I do truly feel that after a week of seeing what's going on there, that it's not a thing that succeeds. Like it's just going to blow a lot of money in doing this, and it's not going to attract the attention. And someone asked Phil in his presser today, like, Phil, how do you feel like this past week, do you feel like you've grown the game more than you would have on a PJ Tour week? And Phil was like... You can't assess that on a week-to-week basis, and it's like Phil. Well, he said yes, he saw you so many kids out he there. He did right? say he saw so many kids, and then I think Chambly talked about it. He's like, I think they've played a golf tournament or two in London before, <laughs> so you're not really growing the game anywhere in London. Do you guys think that the, that this thing really can succeed? I really, I mean, I think I'm like anti-live for some personal reasons, but I understand that everyone has their own personal thoughts. I sincerely just think that at this point, and I know it's only a weekend, but I really don't see this thing succeeding.
5: Well, to quote the great Taylor Gooch, I'm not smart enough <laughs> to kind of dig in and understand all the behind-the-scenes sports-washing stuff, but I'm focused on the quality of golf that I'm watching on TV and whether or not it's a good product and whether or not I'm going to sit there and continue to watch it. And I tuned in the first round, I saw some pretty mediocre golf, I saw a lot of names that I didn't know, the names I did know were all over par, hitting it into the rough on every hole. So, like, I didn't even choose to watch the last two rounds. I was being forced to understand how much money these guys are making, which I really didn't care about at all. I was more concerned of how good of shots they are going to hit on my TV, not, oh, this guy's going to win $175,000
0: or whatever for shooting 24 24. (laughs) over par through three days. Like, that doesn't do it
5: for me. I'm sorry.
0: Like, we watch – when we were in Pinehurst on my bachelor party, we watched, like, the USM, which was just in town, actually, and we watched it on TV – And like that's such an exciting tournament to watch. You got two amateur golfers that have ousted a field of 140 other players, and they're playing head to head in a match play to end it. They're not making any money doing this thing, but it is such entertaining golf because it's such a level playing field.
3: Well, I, I I think there's an issue with how we're defining success for the Live Golf. I don't. I think we're talking about it through the lens of like heavy golf fans. But I think success for them, I mean, they got unlimited coffers. They're just going to keep throwing money out there. And the more people talk about live golf, I think that's what they're aiming for, not necessarily to put a better product out there, although it is going to keep getting better and better the more money they keep pushing around. But I think it's more about just having golf more associated with Saudi and the whole sports washing thing.
0: Like, I think in five years, this thing, in my opinion, might not be around, but I do think, like, Tully makes great points. Like, I think there are really nice things about this thing that need to be incorporated into a growing and evolving PGA Tour schedule. Like, first of all, just the coverage. I really like, like, I know it's kind of... I don't know. It feels weird to kind of gauge it, but yeah, well, when Scott Vincent was hitting a tee shot, it brought up like his, his player profile and his stat profile and it showed him like, you know, 34th percentile in driving, but like 85th percentile on iron play. And I think that kind of stuff is like seeing that on a, a shot by shot basis is amazing stuff. Well, and that's, that's
3: great things for, for people who aren't following golf and just kind of starting into it. That is great to see. And like, another thing was you know, a difficulty rating for a pitch shot out of the rough. Yeah. It's cool to see, is this actually tough or does it just kind of look that way? And then they even had, you know, here's the next five holes. Is it a a green light that it's greater possibility to birdie or is it a red light where, you know, there's some bogeys laying out there?
1: It was kind of fun. They really did sort of dumbed down the graphics to an extent where, like, you, anyone could understand it, but it also kind of felt like I was, like, playing, like, Tiger Woods. Like, you, they full-on, like, had, like, their, like, talent level and, like, bars that they were, like, adjusting for each player, which mm-hmm. it was kind of silly, but it was also kind of, like, interesting. Oh, this it was a different way of showing you, like, how the what these players excel at, which was kind of nice. But in terms, speaking to Ben's larger question of, like, oh, is it just going to fizzle out? What's going to do? I mean, I agree. I do not think it's something that's going to succeed because, just like Colin said, it's not... It wasn't watchable, even like with players that they have coming in. I don't, with all due respect, I don't think Bryson, Patrick Reed, and Pat Perez are going to be enough to make this something that I want to sit there and tune into for three days straight. But I do hope it lasts long enough to have an impact because, like Ben said, it is, there is a lot that's boring on PGA Tour. There's a lot that we don't bother watching, and that does need to change.
0: And yeah. we're the golf fans, right? And I know, and you're trying to grow the game, but yeah, week to week on the PGA Tour, they, they need to learn a little bit from what Liv is doing. Yeah, one thing that I think is going to be pretty cool with it too is we've we've only seen week one so far,
4: and they brought a whole bunch of different new concepts. They've got to have more in the bag because they know that this luster is going to wear off.
1: Yeah, Greg Norman's baby has been this for like how like years and years. He's been trying to start with these. He's got to have so many bad ideas
4: there. <laughs> but but to the, to that point, bad ideas. He's got to have some good ones in there. And we're nitpicking certain things. Like for me, part of the coverage that I didn't like was I didn't know the names on the leaderboard just because they had. Three letters there, and it's like to our point. We know ten guys. It's like, well, who is this guy that's in second place right now? I've, I've never even heard of him. I can't figure it out unless I try to Google the leaderboard. <laughs> then I was running into the issue where I couldn't even find. They didn't even have it. I know. I was, um, so th- th- I'm sure they're going to improve on that. Uh, that's the complaint I'm seeing from a lot of people. But I'm I'm just interested interested to see what some of these other aspects they're going to bring and what then the tour could take over.
2: I mean, I see I see a lot of parallels, like to your point, Tyler, between like. Greg Norman's basically the Vince McMahon, like, parallel to the XFL kind of thing, It's a gimmick, and what I think, I I I mean, five years for Liv would be a huge victory. I do not see it lasting that long, but someone's going to create another competitive golf league, right? They're basically opening the door for someone that's not Saudi-backed or not backed by Greg Norman to create an alternate league, right? And that generally could be a good thing, but, like, we live in a very, I don't know, we're in a very, like, opportunistic society, and and people are going to take this advantage to to kind of, I guarantee there's three other Liv tour is being planned right now and maybe in the next 10
3: years one of them does succeed with the right intentions well so. it's going to be really interesting because there's there's several significant dominoes that are going to fall over the next couple of weeks as far as i think there's a possibility that they could merge with the the formerly known as European Tour the DP World Tour and if they can merge with them then all these guys can go play those events get world golf rankings and still be able to play in majors you know the majors still have to decide if they're going to let these guys play and if you know some of these go in favor of Live, I mean, this thing could really succeed and keep drawing a lot more guys away from Do, the PGA would Tour. Would they have to get bought out by the DP World Tour then? Basically, <clears throat> is that is that how that would work?
0: Oh, they would find a way to write a contract where it's like equal ownership or something like that. I mean, and mm. Saudi brings a lot more money to the table, but the uh, you know the DP World Tour brings its its stature and its yeah. long yeah, and its no long way, history. No, no way the World
4: Tour is going to pay for DJ's contract or Phil's contract. It's yeah, like, but I agree. Yeah. Have, have to have they would be still bear this cost. All that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Speaking of all that, I don't know like how exactly it works, but I know the PJ Tour has kind of come out like all oh, these guys are not going to be eligible to be on the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Is the Europe Ryder Cup team the same way where they have to be mm. PJ Tour players or could they just be European Tour players only? So, like, I can imagine that's. Could now all of a sudden program. we're seeing DJ wearing the European colors in the Ryder Cup? Does uh, anyone know? I don't think so. No, I, think yeah. still, <laughs> I think it's still, <laughs> no, I think it's not. I mean, it's a decent question. It's
0: still based on your nationality. I mean, Roy Sabatini was a Lithuanian or whatever in the Olympics, so maybe something like that. But you have to have, at least, have to have active tour status, right? So, DJ and them don't have Active DP World. I know he's requested it, but he'd at least have to have active status, and I guess he would have to move, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, like, Rory got the option, for example, to compete for either Northern Ireland or Ireland in the Olympics, same kind of thing you were just saying. So, like... Well, Is there some sort of level of that where, like, yes. you see it in basketball, too. There's people that are an American, but, like, they have Nigerian, like, history or, like, ancestors, so they go play for the Nigerian. DJ, just does does like a DJ doesn't TV? have, have a Nigerian have, history. I, I, DJ's I, from South yeah. Carolina. I haven't figured out. DJ's going to adopt
4: Wayne Gretzky as his father. Canadian. Oh, Canadian, Canadian still fan. pays taxes to uh, to
0: England. <laughs> it's so facto. Boom. It's so, <laughs> yeah, Boom. It's our first Boom. it's so facto on the pod. <laughs> I guess Canada is considered part of the Presidents Cup, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 So I really like the idea of you know if they were to join up with the DP World, I think that brings like it brings a whole other dynamic into this thing. I think it could really give it some legitimacy. Um, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a like a broken record and oh my soapbox, but it's like. It really does start to boil down to, like, if the DP world does this, like, they're then going to be, you know, synonymous with what we're all arguing is, like, one of the inherent flaws, and that's, like, the blood money from Saudi Arabia. Well, do you, for, this is a
2: question for everybody.
0: I think it's fair to say that, like,
2: no one enjoyed it as much as we thought we might, right? For like, sure. No one loved it. No. Not no one even really liked it. It was just kind of, eh, like, you know, even if you kind of liked it, right? Like, so, I think, like, maybe a month ago, we were like, wow, this could be really
3: interesting, but... I don't know. It seems to have fallen a little flat, I mean, across the board. I think what I'm most excited for is to see the response by the PGA Tour if they're able to kind of look within and say, you know, there might be some room for improvement. There might be some different things we can try. And I think that's what I'm excited for. I think they've been kind of hiding behind the facade of, you know, everything about Liv is evil and, you know, the PGA Tour is great and those guys just want money instead of really kind of looking at a chance to – shift and adopt some modern you know things that make some of the sports great
0: yeah i was pretty disappointed not to see jay monahan really be any kind of a public figure this week he did i think i did catch him make some statements today as you know on the heels of the the u.s open um pretty much you know But not doing much, right? Kind of holding his ground, saying, like, you know, currently these players have no status. He didn't say that they're permanently banned. He's still kind of – a lot of people are wavering. Um, I think the ball is definitely in Liv's court. So if we get another week uh, where they put on a mediocre performance, I think the PGA continues to hide and just says, like, this is not a real threat. But if they start really catching some momentum, you're right. The PGA is going to have to take it like a serious threat.
1: I think it it was looking a little rough for the PGA Tour until uh, the finish this week. I think we'll talk about it a little later in the RBC. But – I think but prior to that I think it was a win this week for Live.
0: Yep, so good discussion. We'll be back in a minute to talk about golf from this past week. What a crazy finish at the RBC Canadian. I mean, you really could not have asked for a better final grouping. JT, Rory, and Finau. Um, Rory was 8-under through 12. JT was 7-under through 12. Rory started stumbling a little bit in the middle of the back nine. Then then two birdies to finish on 17 and 18 wins by one or two, because Tony also birdied 18. Um, but I think in a week where Liv took all of the headlines um, and Jay Monahan and the PGA really had no comments on what was going on when it felt like they should have been, at least been in the public, Rory, JT, and Tony, three of the biggest golfing stars in the world, really held strong and gave good representation for the PGA Tour. How'd you guys like this past week at the RBC?
1: I mean, it was, that final group was like so perfect. I couldn't agree more. I did, did feel bad for Sam Burns. You know, got one of the guys we talked about a lot. Just kind of got left out of that. Yeah. But it, that could not have played out better for the PGA Tour. Because <laughs> like I kind of mentioned earlier, like really, because n- there wasn't that much excitement days one through three uh, at the RBC, I felt like. But all of a sudden, it's just, just like perfect combination of everything. And then they actually played phenomenal The whole course played amazing. What was it? Justin Rose almost shot a 59 shot. What, 60?
0: Justin Rose shot a 60 with three bogeys. That's (laughs) unbelievable. That's like if they came out and played Glade Valley. I think that's what it would look like. Great course.
5: Great course. He had
0: like, he eagled like every part five and he
5: holed out from the fairway on the first hole. It was nuts.
1: Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. So, like, that could not have played out better for them without Monaghan and the PJ Tour having to actually come out and say anything. And then Rory, obviously. So like not, not smug But just like Throwing that little jab At Greg Norman Like yeah I got, I got one more win Than somebody It was just Phenomenal content
0: I would say another really exciting piece about the course, uh, the 16th hole, what do they call it? The, the, the rink. rink. So the tee box was completely just uh, lined with like a hockey rink style boards. Um, all of the the marshals on the tee box all had like hikey, hockey striped, uh, like uh, official jerseys on. And then every time someone hit a tee shot, they were banging on that thing and yelling. And there were some really good shots. Lots of players put on like NHL jerseys running up the hole. I saw Fratelli made a birdie and did like the old classic, like sliding on one knee, running on the green, doing the fist. <laughs> Um, just incredible stuff for what is a nation's championship and I know has like a hallowed history Um, but I think isn't something that gets most golf fans too excited about but I think that this is a tournament we got to keep on our radar going forward they do, they
2: do call it the WM Phoenix of the North right
0: it should be <laughs> <laughs> is it a coincidence it's also the 16th hole kind of ironic what, that but, uh,
1: Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law wasn't playing in it really mm, yeah wonder who that is is it's that a Canadian that, uh, guy yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, wait, Ben, I think you're bearing the lead, uh, lead here. Can you just spend a minute and just tell, much, tell us how much you love Rory here? I mean, you gotta you got to be, you know, flexing over that. Well, it's
0: bit. certainly ironic. And Colin, also a, a fellow Rory fan. But this is, like, the week where every time I don't pick Rory in, like, the tiers on our DraftKings <laughs> thing, he always does really well. And I had JT, so it was, like, kind of like a wire-to-wire. Wire. You know, it was, like, coming down to the wire that either of them could have won. But... Rory is like in the renaissance of his career, you know, he had his kid, right? And I think that, you know, that that takes a lot of time away from the golf course, but now Rory's really starting to get like a good life balance and he's playing some phenomenal golf. I mean, like, I I don't know who I was talking to and they were just talking about how like Rory hit one shot and you just kind of think to yourself, like... Not a single person in the world could hit that shot. Like he just does things that are seem unhumanly possible. Do you think he's
2: playing the like the best golfers' career right now? I mean, maybe not to his run early on, but maybe you know, second best golfers. career. I think up. when
0: he's getting hot. When he's hot, yeah, he's got he's, like he putted really well. And like a lot of people I think complain and say Rory's not a good putter. I actually personally think, and I think this is like shared with other like golf analysts, is that Rory is actually an elite putter. He just gets hot and cold. So when he's rolling the rock like like he did this week, he's gonna shoot yeah sixty two on Sunday. And I think it's well, I mean,
5: demonstrated on Sunday, it's the kind of the short putts that get in his head. Maybe when there's a little extra pressure, um, he tends to really blow it past or blow it, blow it right through the break. I yeah, actually
0: noticed just, that a few weeks ago where he was hitting like a three footer, and I don't think he lines them up. I think he kind of puts the logo up and then kind of trusts, like, either hitting it over a, a spot or something like that. And my buddy Matt is, like, the, one of the best putters I know, and he never lines a golf ball up, so I get it. But when I, I think to myself, when you get in crunch time and, like, no, no part of your body feels like it's your body because it's the pressure, I'm thinking that line is so crucial, and I'm surprised he doesn't do that.
3: Yeah, he shot, what, 62 yesterday with uh, two missed three-footers? So, yeah. I mean, what could have been for him out there? But, you know, this weekend was really a – a summary of why he's the most iconic player in the game of golf outside of Tiger Woods. I mean, his world-class skill was on display and also kind of the maturity he was showing with how well-spoken he was in all of his responses and everything he said about live golf and why the PGA tour matters to him so much, you know, and, and JT to an extent too. you know, right up there playing really solid golf and had some great things to say about the PGA tour and, and some of the guys taking just the money you they totally took it personally like it
2: was it pretty really clear it was pretty clear that it was on
5: everyone's well, mind I think yeah. I think the two of them really bonded just being being in that final group and playing so well and having that kind of sense of competitiveness down the stretch you know. there. Like, did you see them like hug afterwards? Who JT and Rory? Yeah. yeah. They hugged in the 18th and Rory said that he came up into his ear and said,
0: let's, let's do, it, do it all again next week. Well, they wanted to put it on a show. Like, Tony they really they, did know. feel like the odd man out on that a little <laughs> but bit. Then, but to that point <laughs> yeah. too, is like, um, I think that that's one thing that I really sense is lost with live because it certainly is all about the money is like, the spectacle of golf that seems so close to your heart, and that's knowing that Rory, JT, and Finau have been playing golf together since they were eight at an elite level. And they always, every time Rory and Tony are in contention on a Sunday somewhere, they always bring up the clips where they were like 12 years old, and Rory would actually come and live with Tony's family playing junior golf because he's from Northern Ireland. And that's just like, that's the kind of stuff that you're just never going to get on a live tour. It's also a huge week
2: for Finau. I mean, he's, he was struggling early in the year, and he had what he... Um, did he win? Or, no, he was in second or third early in the early in the year.
0: Right? Yeah, but he's just certainly he's, is not achieved achieving. He's but he, not he, he was really year.
2: struggling in the first half of the year, and like now he's you know back in contention for being on the USA team for stuff. You know,
0: and that kind of coming on the heels of him having like a good twenty twenty one, where it really felt like he was going to break through. So yeah, it's a uh, you know I think bombers are always going to have like those hot and cold streaks, but I you know I think Tony was it the Mexico Open? I think it was the one. The one he did okay at it might yeah, might have been the next round. So. he yep. was waiting
2: for the final group basically. Yep. And yeah, And So
5: just to give Tony his props here, I think he finished in second place. He did. Yeah, ahead yeah. of JT. Yeah. After. JT, JT Bogo both Bogo, shot
1: yeah. six under on the day. You know, like they had nothing to scoff at there. But I like kind of you brought up the whole you don't get that on the live and all that kind of stuff. Does anyone else kind of feel like the reaction from the fans and everything that happened there is somewhat being a little like overhyped? JT full on came out and said, "Oh yeah, it feels like a major out here," which. I mean, come on! Like it's it's not a major. Like it, there's no way it actually felt like that. Other than maybe they maybe had a little personal because of that little vendetta against you know Greg Norman and Co. Well, yeah, I,
0: I don't think JT, I don't personally feel like JT's comments were targeted in that in that sense. I think that. I, it seemed it uh, it was odd the course played so easy on Sunday because on Saturday it really didn't and the rough was tall and it felt like it played tough. But I really agree with JT here. I mean, you think about the quality of talent that was at the top of that field with JT Rory Burns Finau and then a course that was playing relatively difficult until Sunday. I really agree with him and especially leading up to the U.S. Open. Well, but
3: as someone who wants to see the PGA Tour grow and succeed, I almost think this was not a great way to finish Sunday because they could not have scripted a better sunday it felt leaderboard fake, yeah, right. and so i think i think a lot of people are like see this is what makes the pga tour great but this doesn't happen every week and so they keep kind of hiding behind that of like oh see this product we put out well that's one in 20 tournaments that's going to happen it does feel like and they're so, so it a might be hole. like yeah. oh they're just going to stay complacent because hey the the rbc canadian open was so amazing
1: it really feels like the pga tour honestly needs to kind of like Dial back some of the tournaments. Not have forty-seven tournaments a year or whatever. I think Billy Horschel came out in a recent interview with Foreplay saying that like it's just it's too much. Like they don't they don't want to play that much. And I think if they did do that, you're going to get more of these tournaments because the guys are almost forced to play in them. I was just going to say that they they don't have to play
5: in every tournament. I think, think to that a tournament think, a week.
0: Well, I agree with that too. But I think that if you're not playing too regularly, you fall behind a little bit in the FedEx Cup. So I think there's something to be said there, but. I mean, I think Tully has a good idea about, like, trying to take some of the alternate tournaments and maybe turn it into, like, a drafted team event thing like Liv does and maybe have, like, a season-long race. I mean, I don't know about upending the whole FedEx Cup thing, but I think they can do, like, mini events throughout the year that just, right, that... I don't think that... The point is, like, the reason the PGA Tour is so complacent is because um a a regular week at like the Valspar, like they're not losing money. Like they're still making money. It's still like a profitable venture. They're just trying to probably fill in weeks, but you're right. They need a little something to kind of re-engage the fans. So in other news this week, Josh and I were lucky enough to attend the Curtis Cup outside of Philly at Marion, just a just an absolutely historic golf course Built in 1896, recently redesigned by Gil Hans, the guy who redesigned Southern Hills. He built the cradle. Redesigned uh, Brookline this week. Yep. Unbelievable stuff, right? And the course itself, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but it just really felt like when you walked in, the USGA, and I'll give them props, they hold a really good tournament. Everything was... Cross the T's, dot the I's. It felt great walking in. Uh, a really great environment, walking down the fairways with the players. Josh, what did you love about it?
3: Yeah, I'm going to back you up a little bit here and kind of set the stage. So Saturday was my birthday and, and a full Every day, day of having some drinks. And like all, all great decisions you make in life, you make them after having quite a bit yeah. to drink. So it was a midnight Saturday night decision to wake up super early and drive up to Philly, what, three-hour drive, I'm not gonna lie. When my alarm went off, I hit snooze and was like, "There is no way I'm getting out of bed right now with the uh, impending hangover." Don't recover quite in. as well at 32, yeah, do exactly. You? And then, of course, I get this text from Ben, kind of hyping me up, it was like the oh, "you this up" the w- "you up" text, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. For I don't know what happened you up, on that car ride. Right. <laughs> and and very reluctantly, I'm like, "All right, let's do it." But you know, looking back on it, I think we we were a little worn out, you know, going there, so we weren't as kind of hyped as what we otherwise could have been. But it was such an awesome event. I mean, I've never gone to a tournament like that. It was free to get in. The USGA puts on, like you said, a great tournament. And just being able to be like that up close in the ropes. I mean, we walked up the fairway several times and were, you know, 10 feet away from these women hitting these shots. And it was just so cool to see such an iconic course, that up close and personal, and that world-class amateur talent. Or not even amateur because some of these women are competing on the LPGA pretty uh pretty reasonably
0: right have to be amateur by status but yeah compete at a similar level as the pros and i think me and dub were trying to break down like you know we wanted to go to this thing i think because we're golf fans but what really made it so enjoyable is like you watch these girls hit these shots and they I mean, call them girls they're women but they're young right and they're hitting these shots and you're like oh my god like rose Zhang, like It could be two or three years from now, she'd be the number one player in the world, and we're getting to sit here, walk 10 feet behind her, watch a little five-year-old girl run up to her in between shots to get a signature. Like, what an unbelievable event. Yeah, and they're out
3: there kind of realizing that childhood dream and really playing because golf is fun, and they're so passionate about that and this competition and the team event, and they were just so interactive with fans. I mean, everybody on both sides, the Great Britain and Ireland team and the U.S. team, they hit a tee shot, and they're walking down the fairway signing autographs for kids that are coming up to them asking
1: for them. Now, it, how many of those kids were you and Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not us. But it is, like,
0: it is certainly quite the spectacle to see a six-year-old girl run up to – and Rachel Keene, uh, Wake Forest golfer, top ten amateur golfer in the world, made some comments after about how she takes this very serious and that any time a young fan, boy or girl, runs up to her knowing that they idolize her – Rachel Keene also commented, I know I'm just going to go home to my dorm and do my laundry and do my homework, and I'm just normal like everyone else, but these kids look up to her the same way she used to look up to, you know, Michelle Wee and Sorumstan when she was a kid. So she takes it very serious, and it was just... The atmosphere of that place was unbelievable.
2: So while they're literally, like, walking down the fairway, like, during while they're playing, they're signing autographs. Yeah, like definitely. Not, not, like, after the round or between yeah. holes. It's, like, literally right when it Very out.
0: different from anything
2: you've wow. ever seen. Yeah, yeah. In seen
1: their defense, thing. I mean, that, that That's thing was cool, pretty man. wrapped up going into that, that, that day. So, yeah, I mean, and
3: I man. think, you know, one critique I would say, I think they need to look at possibly expanding the Great Britain and Ireland team. I think there's been pretty consistent blowouts, if you will, and you know we saw it yesterday. The U.S. won what seven of the eight singles matches. And I think you know if they were to expand it and do you know kind of like what the Ryder Cup had to do, I think many years ago, and include all of Europe, then it would be all the stars kind of on the showcase, and you know would be a much more competitive event. This it,
1: may be a you know not a, an ignorant question, but like how big is like women's golf in? Europe like in outside of you know London England
3: well I think you look at the number two player in the world who had a top 10 at the US Women's Open Ingrid Lindblad is from Sweden and she Mm -hmm. competed in another professional tournament this past weekend and and you know many other examples like that
0: and that's certainly like it's not like a failed evolution of the tournament they have the Junior Solheim Cup where girls and from you know other parts of like Europe and stuff get to compete so a lot of these similar girls compete Solheim and Curtis Cup um, but, yeah, it's it's, it's just like a steamrolling most of the time for the U.S. And I'll give them credit. The U.S. Th- team this year was extremely talented. In fact, we got to see a, th- a three girls, Megagane, Rachel Heck, and Rose Zang. Rachel uh, Rose Zang and Rachel Heck currently play on Stanford. Rose Zang just won the individual title. Stanford just won the collegiate title. And now Megagane, an 18-year-old, is going to Stanford next year. So Stanford's team, uh, because none of these girls are really enticed to go pro now that they have NIL deals, are going to have three of our potentially probably top ten amateur players in the world on one college team like some powerhouse stuff
5: oh before we leave that can you guys just talk about what marion was like just being there i mean uh, for those who are listening that aren't huge into golf marion is the course with the baskets on the top instead of the flags do you think that made it i mean can you talk just about the difficulty i don't know if the wind picked up or not but
0: yeah, so the last uh, professional tournament that was played there was like the '08 U.S. Open or something, or yeah, something like that. '08 U.S. Open. Justin Rose won one over. So it's a course that can play and cater to a shorter distance. than the women were playing it this week at sixty three hundred, but the men can play it all the way back to like seventy four, seventy five. I would say that the course felt a very intimate. It's because it's an old country club style, the holes really cross over the greens and it not like fake, like Southern Hills where they extend tees and they happen to cross over greens. Like you're just walking down a hole and you can see five or six other holes and you have to be careful about who's teeing off where. Cause their tee shots can kind of, you know, get away from them. But I would say the course itself, um, unbelievable, like picturesque, like every single tee shot was a perfect place to take a picture. Um, the greens, not crazy, but I was going to mention how they have like these subtle breaks that like we just would not see. Um, I think it was um, Jensen, Jensen Castle had a putt on the 16th hole. It's like a par four. You drive it down to the bottom of the fairway and they hit over like 150 yards of junk and she hit it up and her ball like started to creep up and kind of rolled back down to the front tier. She had like a 40 footer over a tier to a back pin and she hits her putt. And it kind of looks like it's barely going to get over the hill. And it looks like it's going to come up maybe like 10 feet short. And like next thing you see, it's three feet by. And it's just something we would not see, like the slopes and the breaks. I mean, the girls made that course look pretty darn easy, and it is not. And
3: seeing it in person, you're able to appreciate so much more how important strategy and positioning is because there's so many holes where, you know, the one that we watched for a while, you had to play almost off the green, away from the hazard, and let it kind of – funnel back to the green or you know you have to avoid this bunker and so you know that's that's what you're able to see in person that you can't quite really see on television but it you know so cool watching them having to play these strategic shots but pretty much every approach shot
0: and how demanding and how demanding it is to hit fairways because i think that was like the fifth or sixth hole that we watched and a pretty challenging driver hole because it's got a hazard completely lined up the left, so you can't miss left. But if you miss in the right rough, there's a bunker so perfectly placed about 30 yards short of the green where if you're coming out of the rough with no spin and you want to keep that ball on the green, that bunker comes into play. But when you're in the fairway, it's not. But you're right. Girls are playing 30, 40 feet right of a pin, playing a bounce and break up to the green. Um, we saw Amelia Migliaccio hit a ball to like three feet with like a five iron, like probably one of the best iron shots I've seen in a long time.
3: Yeah, and one of the things that makes that course so cool is they have a 100-yard par three that I think even the men play it that yeah. short. And it's one of those kind of salad bowl, if you will, that, you know, it's a a small green, but everything kind of funnels to the middle. We saw Rachel Heck lip out for a hole-in-one. I mean, really cool stuff to see kind of standing there in person.
0: But then like a green that if you miss it, it's a good 15 feet above any of the lower-lying bunkers. So An impossible up and down. I think she was, yeah, she was playing uh, Hannah Darling and she hit it in that front bunker, or someone was playing Hannah Darling. She hit it in that front bunker, hit her her bunker shot like decent to 15 feet past the hole. And I think she was almost putting sideways just to get the ball to break toward the hole. So, all in all, a great week. We're so happy we went. We'll be attending many of these when they're back in the area. I think that Marion's holding uh, like the 2026 U.S. Amateur or something like that. So, we'll be back. We'll definitely make sure we get to that one. Uh, We'll be back in a second to talk about the up and coming men's U.S. Open this week. All right, so we're headed to the Country Club in Brookline, an absolutely historic venue for U.S. Opens, kind of like where golf some of the most hallowed history in golf. I mean, with the We Met the amateur win, I mean it's kind of has some crazy deep roots. And then we're kind of in the wake of this upsetting, kind of rumbling from the Live Golf Tour, um, really clashing, clashing arguments. So we are actually down a comrade now. Tyler had to leave his brother and sister-in-law; they had a baby. So congratulations, Danielle Ooh. and Kevin. But Tyler has a couple of really good questions here we're going to field. So what do you guys think the reception of these live golfers is going to be back to the PGA tour? I'll make one comment in that. Ben on who is a Sean Foley protege and, and really good golfer was making comments about how he, he doesn't look down on anyone that went to live, but he, he actually respects more the people that chose not to take the money. So do you think that's kind of like a sentiment? A lot of these guys are going to have, or are these guys going to have some rough, rough riding with the PGA tour players?
1: It kind of, I would think that that's kind of the overall effect. I think JT came out and said something very similar, at least specifically regarding DJ that like, he doesn't dislike DJ anymore just because he went there. He wished he would have stayed all that kind of stuff. But you know, he, he's still, that's still somebody he would call a friend. Maybe it's just from their Ryder Cup time, whatever. But I think it's going to, the more interesting reaction is going to be how they, how the fans treat them. You know, Boston, you know, they're no Philly. They're not quiet. You. They're yeah. not quiet people. I think you're going to, you're going to get some interesting uh, sound bites that they, they don't mean for you to pick up on those mics.
0: And I think the Northeast, too, is like a pretty classical golf environment. you got lots of country clubs. you got lots of really kind of exclusive. So guys are – I don't think they're going to be very happy. You're right. The fans are going to be a really interesting thing to watch.
3: Well, especially look at a guy like Phil Mickelson. I mean, he's always been the people's champion. I mean, kind of like a a fan favorite. Even some people preferring him more than Tiger. Wrong. And, you know, this week we're really going to see him probably face a lot of criticism out there on the course. So, It'll be interesting to see how he can handle it and see if he can shoot better than thirty over or something. <laughs> I think this has potential to be like one of the best weeks of golf ever. Like,
2: I, if if Phil comes out and is like, you know, up on the leaderboard, or someone like DJ is actually like, you know, actually up competing up there, like it could be kind of wild. Like, yeah. a, it could be really wild.
1: It really will be, and it's like there's names that you wouldn't be surprised. Like last year, Louis literally basically threw away the open to right. John Rom, he choked on like what the seventeenth hole and like yeah, put in the, the hazard. Shit. Yeah. yeah. So like it it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility we, we
2: almost need like a little uh leaderboard that shows the guys that are in live and highlight them <laughs> yeah. in red and like see how they're competing the red rest. Red of the i would
0: say other than like everyone quite literally hating patrick green we haven't had a good villain in a long time like yeah. there aren't too many guys just, that you hate because golf is a sport that you know it's so individual and most of these guys are really concerned with their image but we have some guys coming this week that have that have a terrible media yeah. presence right now and it's guys epic. are really hating on them it's gonna be epic
1: yeah i mean the, the interview the phil did today and Was just so awkward, like, and they didn't. I think you brought it up earlier in kind of our pre-pod discussion. Like, they didn't ask him once about him completing the career grand slam because he's had so many things here. All they did was ask him about live. So it's there's it's going to be so focused on that with these guys. I think even after their rounds, they're still going to be just talking live. I think it's clear that
2: everyone's gonna be trying very hard for different reasons, right? Like some guys everyone's trying very hard. Like some guys gonna be trying like prove the you know, the PGA tour is the best and some guys are gonna be trying to say, Hey, I'm still relevant, even though I'm in live, I'm back. I mean, it's gonna be crazy. So, I guess
0: too at the end of this, I'm interested to see, and I don't know how long it'll take the USGA to make decisions on things. Um, but the the USGA president and CEO kind of coming out right, saying that you guys are allowed to play this week. We don't want to really like upset the table. Like you guys have already played your way in. We want to let you compete in the U.S. Open. But I don't think we're far off from some of these majors really making some distinct decisions on these live guys. and yeah, I think was, the USGA could come out. They after. left it
1: very open in that statement that like this was
0: for this year. Like
1: they are good, but. They can definitely change it, especially as this live plays out.
0: So we know that this is this is the Country Club at Brookline. Like I like I said in the intro, right? This is the 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 place where um, uh, Francis we met won the only time an amateur has ever won a major. Uh, the greatest game ever played is quite literally one of my favorite movies, regardless of golf. I think it's such a well acted movie. It's such an amazing story. The roots run really deep here. Um, we got a really great field. Let's talk a little bit about the course. I think the course from what I've seen, like we've seen tough tests of golf, but this might set it to a new level. I've seen, People drop balls in these in this rough, where like I feel like some of the spotters are gonna have a tough time finding these balls. Yeah,
5: they said the roughs gonna be playing uh, in the deeper portions around five inches, so you won't even be able to Jesus. see people's shoes there. If you you yeah, that's a the ball.
3: that's the iconic thing of U.S. Open week is someone posts that first video of dropping a ball in the rough and it disappearing, and it you know even dropping balls on the green. And they just rolled down off the green, down a false front, about sixty yards from the green. So it'll be some really interesting uh, leaves that these guys have.
1: Yeah, you always kind of look forward to those videos, and you always, you almost always see one or two guys that are like, rel- like top players. That don't make the cut and aren't playing well, they also complain about how yeah. like ridiculous is. I wonder if you're still going to hear that or not, depending on like which side of that whole live PGA thing they fall. If people are going to be like, no, I'm not going to do it.
0: I've seen a lot of pre coverage where people are saying like what they what they hate, but it's going to happen. There are going to be some good shots this week that are not rewarded. It's going to be some bad bounces, but it's it's the type of course that as as I've seen, like you're really not going to be able to overpower it. There's actually I think it's the ninth hole has a fairway that has a distinct tier and then runs down toward water, and you kind of have to hit back off the tee at like 250 if you hit it up to 270 you like quite literally have a distinct chance of catching this ridge and rolling into the water like there's no rough to protect you from that water and to get over the water is like 350 so these guys are really gonna have to play this course smart nobody's gonna be able to overpower it yeah i'm really excited to
5: see what this course looks like on tv so it's kind of a unique place the country club it actually has 27 holes and across those three nines the usga kind of creates their own sort of they call it a composite course where they can The line tee boxes and greens kind of create their own holes almost. So there's three nines. They say that 14 and a half of the holes this week are going to be played on the Clyde and the Squirrel (laughs) nines, and three and a half will be used from the Primrose because they're taking – one tee box from the one set and aiming at a green from another set. Those are some sick names. What's your favorite nine? The Clyde, the squirrel and the primrose. My buddies, Clyde squirrel and primrose (laughs) are coming out tonight.
1: Where's the squadger line? That's what I
0: need. Also, and famously like you have, you have here, Colin, it's like, so a guy's name that keeps coming up. Gil Hans is like an architect that five years ago, I think was, was known well as a good architect, but my God, he's turning into like, you know, one of the best architects to ever live. And he just recently redid this course in 2020. So we should see a lot of really unique and well thought out things by him.
5: yep Well, he brought back the uh, 11th hole which hasn't been played since francis we met originally won how cool is that that's like that's
2: actually awesome
5: yep it's a short par three um it can go anywhere from 105 yards back to 142 so pretty short um for pga tour standards but um the tabletop greens guarded by bunkers on the front left and right it's not going to be an easy hole um let alone an easy stretch because it's sandwiched between a 499 wow. yard and 473 yard par
2: Jeez. Four. I was going to watch like the coverage on the tabletop green all day long. On
0: Thursday. <laughs> and I saw some of those pictures. I mean, that you, t- you say tabletop, and it probably runs yeah, off like, like, like about like, three to five feet on every side, and right you have the bunkers. But then like the rough comes up to the edge of the green, and it's that three to five-inch rough. It looks like – it's, it's kind of like um, – that that hole at Riviera where the guys, like, if they drive it and miss the green, they could be going bunker to bunker to bunker. It could be a, a, a hole like that where guys just can't even get it on the green with their second shot. I feel like I
2: have to watch the greatest game ever played, like, this week. Was it filmed at the course? Like, are they going to... Sh- I really don't no know. No idea. Yeah,
1: I don't know. No idea, yeah. but right, it's... I'm about to walk. It's, it's, it's such a Next week, movie, movie review. Yeah. Next yeah, week, I mean, coming like, up. Uh, we're we're, we're a not movie <laughs> what? What? We're all, right, a movie, movie podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's our uh, off-season content. That is one of my, I think, the top golf movies, for sure, in my opinion. It's it's so good.
0: So, you know, one thing I was noticing is that when, Francis we met one here in 1913... The course played about 62.50 or something like that from the tees. And they're only playing it this week at about 1,000 yards further. And when you think about how far Francis Met was hitting his driver and you think about how far Bryson DeChambeau was hitting his driver, it doesn't seem like that. I know we always talk about courses having to get creative to add yardage, but it, it still seems like they need to make these things longer to even like – I mean, I think for the cut in the 1913 Open was like 11 or 19 – I think it was 19 over. Like you're just I – would, I would love to see that yeah, stuff again. I was just pulling it up. We
1: met one – in the playoff with uh, Ted Ted Ray and Harry Varden, but he was 12 over is yeah. what the winning score wow. was. And that's and yeah, four rounds. I, I think the cut like, was 19. I, was, I think it was technically five rounds because it was an 18-hole playoff yeah, at yeah, the time, yeah. right? I guess it's
2: like the same year they invented, like, cars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> now, these balls were literally, like, leather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, been a while. <laughs> it's, and I
1: heard now that the course actually bought the We Met house, and they're, like, currently renovating and everything so, like, in future, like, tournaments, they people can actually go in.
0: Yeah, because he literally lived, like, across yeah, the it street, it was like, He could literally, like, see it.
3: So, what do you think? We go out Saturday night, make the decision to leave. Uh, <laughs> couple drive hours up, drive later, up. drive up. Oh, shipping ball. out to Boston.
1: Boston. Yeah, we can't do that. It is Father's right. Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Father's out there. Day week. Bones, speaking to you. You got two kids now, but yeah. So I think otherwise, we I think we probably would be up there if it wasn't Father's Day weekend. Treehouse. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Sorry, we're going to Friday run.
0: Sorry, we're leaving on Friday. <laughs> we'll drink Friday, and then we'll make decision yeah. Friday night. So, we have a pretty talented field here. I mean, it's, obviously, it's a major. We got all the top players. Um, let's talk a little bit about who we're looking for this week. Um, I'll start. I'm just going to take the obvious favorite here, and the guy that won last week, and that's uh, Roy McIlroy. I mean, playing some incredible golf. I think that the guy is like when he's when he's when he's in control of his tee game. I mean, I don't really think there's a better iron player in the world when he gets creative. I don't really know. I don't think this course is known for its wind, but it certainly is known for a course that you know you're going to have to hit the ball. You know, you have a lot of long irons into greens, and I think Rory's one of the best long iron players in the world. Um, and I also look him to continue his good putting, which I think is a key to any kind of U.S. Open win. We saw that last year with John Rahm just draining. 20, 30-footers coming down the stretch to get his title. Who else? Who are you guys looking at this week? Well, you
5: said favorite, um, and favorite in my mind right now is kind of the chalk pick Is got to be the last one to win a USGA event here. That's Matt Fitzpatrick, who won the USM at Brookline uh, back in, what was it, 2013? 13. That's right, beating the likes of some of the, the hottest players in the world right now. Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, Corey Connors. Also, he records, I think, Ben, you sent me this you send me that tweet. He literally has like a diary of every shot he's ever hit that he records and writes down right there on the course. So it's funny that a week where we're going to have all this hullabaloo about live and all these media back and forth that, A guy that just keeps his head down in his diary, writes down his own shots, takes his notes. He's gonna come through and win this tournament. You watch. Did you
0: see his comments about how they had mentioned like how all these players are getting kicked off the tour? And they're like, "So what are your thoughts about now? You know, being one of the you know you're being like a premier player and like a favorite at the US Open." He goes, "Yeah, I guess if you get rid of all the good players, I guess it's just me left." So (laughs) got (laughs) to scrape the bottom of the barrel now for the uh, feature groups. No, but I really like Matt Fitzpatrick here. It's, of course, like we've said, the rough's going to be thick. He's a really good driver of the golf ball, um, escape artist, right? So around these greens, he's going to have to get creative. And I really just look for Matt to kind of get that fire in his belly because I really don't think there's a better putter in the world when it's a 10-footer for par. Uh, But when it's a 10-footer for birdie, it seems like he's just not quite converting enough of those.
5: And before we leave the Matt Fitzpatrick subject, if we can just get him some kind of wardrobe, like, Mm -hmm advice or someone to just... You don't like the Skechers outfits? I'm not a big fan of the Skechers and the all dark blue blueberry outfits workday. Come on
1: now. It's British. <laughs> it's British. Uh, so, like, following on the same line as Ben, picking your favorite golfer. I'm riding with Jordan Speed this week.
0: It's major week. You got to do it, it baby. Yeah,
1: it, it may be a little bit of wishful thinking from, uh, from a loyal fan here, but... The PGA Tour is desperately wanting for one of its golden boys to win, a a, a Rory, a, a Jordan, a JT, someone like that to win this week, the major going into post all this live golf. I think you know, this could definitely be one of those times where he he wins, gets back on track, kind of like hits that, that level where we, we saw him for so long. Like he was huge, you know, the hottest golfer in the world and then had that, you know, fall off a cliff. And I think he's going to, you know, put – the nail back in the coffin, he's back.
2: The nail back in the coffin. <laughs> yeah, it
1: didn't make sense. I'm not good he's with like words. He's like the Undertaker, yeah. <laughs> he's going to just punch right out of it. Well,
0: I mean, there's really no better escape artist in the world than Jordan, and this is a place that you're going to see some players in some incredibly precarious spots. So if Jordan can just kind of keep his head screwed on tight and not like you know get too, too into some of the bad shots he hits, like Jordan's a guy that could run away with something like this. I was reading
2: a little bit this week about Colin Murakawa. I know he's been down lately, but I was just looking at like top 20 odds, and he's plus odds for top 20, and he's a pretty long shot these days after being a pretty perennial favorite um, earlier in the year and last year, obviously. And we forget this guy's got two majors, so if he comes in and wins this, I mean, it's a long shot, but he would have every major but the master. So I don't know. I was looking for like a – Someone that's like needs to get back on the hump, and I think Murakawa could could you know he can always he can always show up and win a tournament.
0: That is true. Decent I guess values, a PGA yeah. and an Open, and then yep. this yeah we just yeah. need a Masters to complete the Grand Slam. But talk about a guy that just has fallen off the map. I mean like yeah I he's think been pretty non-existent lately. But sometimes six, you know they can come back. It was just six months ago. I think we were probably calling him maybe the greatest iron player of all time potentially. I mean the thing, the kind of stats he was putting up and the run he was on. Yeah, I mean, a guy that just kind of like I think the like a guy like Colin Morikawa is the reason why I was ever scared to take golf serious because if you ever think you're good, you look at a guy like Colin Morikawa and can't even like make a cut right now, and he's like yeah. easily one of the best golf swings you've ever seen.
2: But I think there's a lot of guys, I mean, not, we're talking, I mean, I think something like a top 20, top 40, top 50s, there's a lot of guys that have fallen off a little bit, and I think there's some real value if you're looking, you know, looking at odds like that.
3: Yeah, so fresh off having to denounce my former favorite player on tour, I'm officially staking a claim here to Cam Smith, I'm going to ride with him this week. Save that soundbite. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Save that soundbite right there. So the course doesn't set up extremely well for him, he's known for being very erratic (laughs) off the tee, but... I think his, he's an elite short game player. He led the PGA Championship <laughs> in T to green. And so, I mean, he Breaking played Breaking news here. He played very very well in all assets of his game, but his putter really let him down, which is really one of his strengths. I mean, we saw him win the players with a ridiculously hot
0: flat stick. So yeah, he picked up twenty strokes on the field that week. That, I mean that's what you got to look out for. Yeah.
3: So so he's gonna he's gonna miss his fair share of fairways, but he's gonna be able to chip out and use that elite kind of approach game, put it up there, and, and save some pars and get up and down from the rough a lot. So although he's not known for being good off the tee, like I said, I think the other areas of his game are so good that they can kind of counteract that a bit.
0: Think, well, I, I yeah. like I like this pick a lot, W W, because I think. Right, He just going you chubby? No, dubby. But I, like, he's not straight off the tee. I get it. Wow. And you're going to have – I think that the point about this course is you're going to miss a lot of fairways, even if you're a good driver of the golf ball. But the one thing that's going to remain consistent between any player is that you're going to have a lot of 10 to 15 footers for par, right? So if he can get that flagstick going – and we know that Matt – or we know that Cam can – Make more birdies than anyone in the field, right? So if he gets, he just has his birdies, and then he's making his ten footers for par. That's why I love this peg. I was
2: just gonna say, Dub, do you think Cam's like the coolest guy on tour right now? Like, I think he's up in the running for like top. whats th- are hot right now. I, I think he's just. I, I love
3: Cam. He's like top three, top
1: five he's, for me. He's I mean,
3: such a laid back, chill guy too. I mean, he he just kind of is out there having a good time. And oh, so and, he's Australian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he wins the players and talks about, you know, his what are you gonna do now? Well, I'm excited to spend time with my family who I'm seeing for the first time. So, you know, really easygoing guy out there is not gonna let much get to him. We've seen some I don't wanna say collapses, but we've seen him struggle down the stretch. He's learned a lot from the master's experience. In other tournaments, so definitely one of the best players in the world he right just now. He seems like a guy
2: you want to have a Fosters with, you know? <laughs> yeah, <no laughs> oh, Australian beer!
1: <laughs> I think that's Australian for beer. Uh,
2: yeah, I think actually, if you translate beer in Australian language,
0: it's Fosters.
1: It's, I'm shocked none of us went ahead with uh, Scotty here. I mean, he's been so dominant. Yeah, we're about to get burned by that again. <laughs> Yet again.
0: I also like to say that now that Josh has picked Cam Smith, I'm sure that he's imminently going to join the Live Tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That was the uh, breaking news we were alluding to Stay tuned earlier. next week for the new favorite golfer.
0: So I think the last thing that we'll touch on, even though we're picking all these thoroughbreds and our favorite players and guys that are ranked in top 10, top 20 in the world, we've got to talk about all the amateurs and like off-the-radar off the pros that make it into this event. So if, for those of you that, that don't know, the U.S. Open is one of these unique events where it has lots of qualifying events. It's what they consider a classic Open. A true The true open. So you have local qualifying, which pretty much anyone with like a handicap under two can go and try and play in. Or any professionals. Any professionals. So you have generally, you know, hundred hundred hundred, guys playing for seven spots to get into what is the next level of qualifying at sectionals. And then you have same thing there. Maybe a hundred players that had qualified from locally all play for what are six or seven spots from that one place to get into the open, um, the U S open. And so we have 83 players this week uh, playing on exemption status that qualified 53 amateurs and 31 professionals so like what do you guys think about that i think that's like when we talk about live and why i think my i don't like live is it just doesn't have this history and it doesn't have what i think is so true about golf in the u.s open i think is everything that's right about golf and we've you know some of these guys are going to get in this tournament and they're going to shoot 82 82 but they're going to just have this badge on their chest to say i played in the u.s open
1: i absolutely love this tradition and i mean it's It almost goes back to that we talked about last week with the the whole Morris Flitcroft story. Like, it's just any person can go ahead and end up getting into this U.S. Open. You have a full chance, regardless of whether or not you get to play golf every week on TV, or if you are just you know Joe Schmo that is a really solid golfer playing at you know nice courses or whatever courses around that you can you have that opportunity if you want to go through this process. And I think it's just it's a cool thing to see those players like. I mean, Loki. I mean, I used to think Ben was a great golfer. He's kind of proved. Well, used to. Well, he's proved. He's told. <laughs> to <laughs> he, he has been very adamant that, like, he would not stand a chance if he went to, like, go th- through this qualifying sort of process. But, like, I've always imagined, like, I want to see him try to go through this process. So I think it's cool to think that we have people here, e- even Dub, the weirdy that's a lefty, kind of like that. Once he's back <laughs> from injury, that he could maybe do it. Yeah,
3: that's our next challenger series. Watch Ben try and qualify for the U.S. Open and go through the gauntlet.
1: Ben, a, yeah. ben and Ken both go to the Me U.S. And Ken, Ken, Ken's, <laughs> Ken's the pro. Yeah. Yeah. Ken has I'll, to be
0: a pro.
2: I'll wear a wig and go by a French name or something. <laughs> Arnold <laughs> I, Palm Tree. I, I was just looking at the. Uh, the qualifying list and like they all have their own pic- the pictures and like twenty five of the guys don't even have pictures on the PGA website so that just shows you how many guys are these
0: are just, literally you know, like insurance salesmen yeah they're 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 incredibly talented at yeah. golf and make yeah. their way up awesome. so nine thousand and almost three hundred golfers applied to play in the U.S. Open this year including which you don't really think about it but twelve past champions had to go through qualifying process because they just don't have any any status on any of the tours anymore um, so you know with eighty four golfers in this field of one hundred and forty having gotten in gotten in during qualifying. I think one of the, my favorite things about this coverage, too, is we're going to see a lot of them. So imagine being on national television and being tell your friends, like, hey, watch out for me today. I, mean, I might be 12 <laughs> over through five, but hey, watch out. But for I'm there. there.
3: Yeah, you make it through the, all those trials and tribulations, and you, you're standing on the first tee like, oh, shit, now I got to go play, like, the toughest setup and be on national television.
1: Hey, But is there a better place to do it than Brookline? You know <laughs> you know it can be done on this course. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the, I was just looking at the pairings. Look at this pairing. Kepka, Cam Smith, and Scotty playing together. Yeah, it's um, yeah, no, de- I wish
0: I wish they'd mix great. it up a little more cuz some of these guys stacking the pairings <laughs> yeah. I think I saw they mixed up
3: some, you know, more outspoken uh, PGA Tour members with some live guys. I think Sergio and uh, Hatton are playing together. So yeah. Ooh, that should some be fireworks so out there. Would Woodland,
2: would Woodland Rose Bryson and then Tommy Fleetwood's playing with Patrick Reed and Cage Lee. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting and they're back to back too. So
0: Fleetwood's been known to throw a few hammers in there. He's been on the Barcelona stuff recently, making some. Who's really uh,
3: Mickelson paired up with? Uh, Shane
2: Lowry
0: He's and Louie That's a that's a pretty oh. good
1: one. That's a pretty good one, How yeah. great would it be if they just put like Phil in his own uh, group and it was well, just just they, know, they they
5: know Shane Lowry gets along with everyone so. <laughs> like, let's just throw him in there yeah. and we, got, get we him got a couple y- pints yeah, yeah. and
2: dj's playing with matt Fitzpatrick and uh and webb simpson so that's oh, that's interesting wow. that's, uh, yeah, there's a lot there if you're looking at these and then we got jt hovland and finau so I, i'll stop reading them but i mean there's a lot of stacked pairings <laughs> read me much. another
1: one read me another well, one basically there's no
2: like amateurs playing with like justin thomas it's, i think
1: <laughs> it's, honestly actually one, kind of one that's related is i think it's po or piot or whatever his uh-huh. name is he's playing with I think it's Colin Morikawa and John Rahm, the last like, I saw home, that. Which is rough, but it's also really interesting because he, he's the former U.S. Am winner, but he yeah. did go join Live Golf, like, way you know before his What broker. did he shoot last
0: week, 20 over? I, I put it in
1: there. Well, there's it's no way to play in your first and three. last U.S.
0: Open than by shooting 30 over playing with John Rahm and Colin <laughs> yeah, Morikawa. So he Dude. shot
1: last week. He was plus seven, tied for 25th, got a whopping 163K, probably more than he would mm-hmm. make on the Corn uh, Ferry Tour. But I think that one's going to be an interesting one because, like, you got to imagine they're going to be like, what the fuck were you thinking
0: kind of thing, you know? I know. So we're looking forward to a really great week at the Country Club. Make sure to tune in Tuesday or Thursday through Sunday. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, We should probably see some really high scores, so I can't imagine this thing finishes under par. So thanks for being here, and make sure you head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. We'll catch you next time.